Out From Work Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 111 today of the show. Have another interview here with another creative in Portland this time. I've been doing more interviews lately with people closer to my new home here. It's uh, Justin's new home as well here. So glad uh, I'm not the only newbie here, Justin. But uh, tonight we've got on Justin Ashbrook, who is a recent Berkeley grad does a lot in the music business, mixed marketing, comic book entrepreneur, and we'll go into that a little bit tonight, and uh, a lot of other things here. Big big mix, which is like my favorite part of having people on the podcast, Justin, is when people are doing a bunch of different things, I like to Mm -hmm. pick it apart because uh, it's interesting. It's interesting how people get into stuff. So thanks for being on the the show and uh, inviting me to go grab some live music with you sometime in a week or two. What's happening? Thanks for having me. Yeah, so my name's my name's Justin, like you said. I recently graduated from Berkeley College of Music. Kind of my mission statement uh for everything I do, I want to make the arts more accessible. Mm. Uh so what that means is that I want to bring them to new new audiences. Like oftentimes certain types of art entertainment will have like one set target audience and I try to bring it to a whole different audience. Like for, here's just one example. I like to try to bring classical music to younger people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I love classical music, but it's all, it's all old. It's all, it's mostly for old people, older people, more educated people. So for a while I wanted to start, I ended up not going with it, but for a while I wanted to start, a a bar that kind of had classical music in a casual setting in and i still atmosphere? whoa yeah that would be yes. i would be in there in a heartbeat I, yeah. I also like classical music first of all <laughs> so like i cheat code but like i could see like a speakeasy or something or not a speakeasy speakeasy because that's different vibe but like i would I, that sounds cool to me right now yeah yeah, so like a bar wasn't really the right type of business for me. You have to work tons and tons of hours. Um, but I do think that 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 idea should go forward with someone. More recently, though, we're, I've been trying to do the same thing with comic books. Comic books are a little different because their audience is so small that like anything outside of comic book nerd is considered like a expanding that audience. So really, I'm just trying to bring it to people who don't already know comic books. So basically what you have in the American comic book industry is so you've got the big two Marvel and DC, their marketing and the way they structure their business. And even the way some of the comic books are written are written so that if you aren't already, if you haven't already been reading them for like a long time, it's like very hard to start and it's very hard to, know where to start right i i not to break you but like i i am not i wouldn't consider myself a comic book nerd because i really don't buy them but i have gotten them at some points and i have also started reading some at some points Mm -hmm. 
and I've felt exactly what you're saying right now, where mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, it's this, this is a storyline and character development stuff that's been happening for so many years or something that like, I, yeah. I'm like, damn, what, where do I start of like this segment of this character's like life cycle or phase or like rebirth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're like almost get overwhelmed and you're like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like contrast that to like the Marvel movies, even some of the DC movies uh, where you have like, like you can watch like Captain America two or something called, like a sequel or a spinoff. And you know what's going on because they're written and marketed in a way where you know what order to read that you have to read them in and they're written in a way so that everything is like, like, like you get like a recap. So like, even if you haven't seen the first set of movies, like you can still figure out what's going on. And that's just not the case with comic books at all. So what, what my eventual business is hoping to do is to simplify that, make it really easy give them recommendations, like let them, like if, if someone gives me, tells me I like this superhero movie or comic book movie, or I like this genre, I can say, go read these, these, these issues, which often isn't a lot of people think you have to start from issue number one to get everything. But a lot of it is like, as long as you're familiar with the general character, like even if you haven't read every single Batman comic starting from the first one, like as long as you know the general idea, you've seen a Batman movie, maybe you, you can start at like, you can start from, I'm just making this up like 400 through 405. And then that'll be like a new story. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to find the best way in terms of business in order to, in order to simplify that for as many people as possible. Right. Because it's like, I know what you're saying where, like comics can be a niche industry, but at the same time, like you have Comic-Con and like, that's no joke at all. Like, like like it's stupid how much stuff is happening there. And then Mm Comic-Con also often uh, bleeds back into like some of the blitz BlizzCon and like some of those things like that, which is like huge industry. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's there. And then like, I've noticed these trends of obviously like the Marvel and like, I I hope DC starts like pressing harder with some of their Mm -hmm. stuff, but like, that industry in the mainstream with those movies, I would imagine that the the industry for comics would have to have gotten some stimulation from mainstream watching these movies in theaters, Captain America, like all these people. Uh, What, like what's your take on that? Cause you probably have like a better pulse than me and like in the back and forth between those two worlds, like what are you seeing? Yeah. First thing is that there are inherently going to be, I think it's a small number of people, but some people not read comic books or books in general, but they're watch movies. But outside of that, I think it's like I said, it's like so complex with the comics and so simple with the movies that you have a a ton of people who are watching the movies, but not reading the comics. And that's sort of what I'm trying to change because I love comics. I think people can enjoy them. They just need to know how to enjoy them. Sure. I mean, even like uh, I was like, very hot into the walking dead like when mm-hmm. it was a show right that made me start picking up some of their comics and the comics were way more intense and like mm-hmm. they like the storylines were so much like first of all more like epic like brutal like the yeah. storylines were crazy <laughs> like the stuff they couldn't put on tv was brutal but mm-hmm. also uh 
I don't know, like that kind of got me into like those. And I, I've just not been a comic book reader. So mm-hmm. I, I can see that happening. Yeah. And another piece of this, if you look at like mangas, for example, or like the smaller publishers, like they don't, they don't have this problem. And so I think, I think there's like, it speaks to like indie, indie publishers, indie comic books, like becoming way more popular just because you pick it up. There's, uh, you pick a book up, there's issue volume one, and there's none of that like crazy years of backstory or crazy things you need to, like everything's explained well, um, and they're marketed in a way so that you know where to, you know where to pick up at. Like the answers aren't hard. Like Marvel and DC really just need to follow what the, what the manga companies are doing or what the smaller indie American comic book comic books are doing. Like they're, they're doing it well. It's just that I think, I think the reason why Marvel and DC aren't doing it, like if I had to speculate, yeah, would just be that like they're relying on one that they're like relying on just people knowing Batman and Superman, like trying to rely on the market and, and, and trying to rely on that instead of actually putting in the work to make it accessible. Right. And then number two is something that uh, one of my business professors, uh, George Howard, always talked about is something called the innovator's dilemma, which basically says that when you first start a business, you are constantly having to innovate. It, like that there are some that don't innovate, those don't end up being successful. Right. But if you're a successful small business startup, like you are innovating at every point. Mm. But then once once you get to be the Comfy. size of yeah, like the size of Disney, the size of Warner Brothers, the two parent companies for Marvel and DC, like you get successful, you get you have an ego at that point. Yep. And at that point, because of your success, it becomes very hard to innovate. It becomes very hard to 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 change what you're change up, switch up your formula. So I think that 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 explains a lot of why these comic books are the way are are the way they are. I believe that because that happens with like every every company that is a uh, unbelievable startup. Like they're doing something that truly does change the world, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they change the way that we all function. Like they offer something that's like truly unique or hasn't happened before. It changes the way that we all do day to day. Then they obviously blow up because people are doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's like, then you see a really slow growth period because they become, they balloon out, they become a corporation and corporations just aren't efficient. Like they just aren't efficient. There's too many people making decisions. There's too many people like stopping decisions. And there's too many people Mm -hmm. that have, roles in this business that are like actually not serving anything. They're just a yeah. payroll and it blocks up all of these things. And so when people, maybe there's people inside the companies that get these amazing ideas and they still have it, but it just gets sandbagged by everyone right. and stopped. And you're, and that's how, what, uh, that's what I do love about small business and like agile. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying those smaller companies that are innovating right now, it's, that's probably, yeah. I, I, I think that's a very valid thought that you have. Yeah, I think so. So that's absolutely right. Like when I start my business, either it will just be me or I might have one or two partners, but whether it's one person or three person, like you can make these decisions really fast. Like there's not, not like these big companies where they have, some of them might have a a process, like a long process in order to like make a pivot 
or some of them might just have like a bureaucracy kind of, or some of them might just have like so many people that need to approve it. Like whatever the thing is, like, like you said, like when you're a small business, you can really make pivots easily. You can really, if something isn't working, you can switch it up right away. Um, next day, Lots of flexibility. Yeah. 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 I was actually, uh, this is such a good topic, Justin, because I was listening to an interview from the founder of Lululemon, who now is mm-hmm. out of that business, but he was talking about when they were coming up as a brand, there's two ways to go when it comes to being like, like when you're coming up as a brand into that space and you start having these heavy hitters mm-hmm. like Disney or Warner Brothers or something out there, it's like the bandwidth of Warner Brothers or Disney is just unstoppable where like they just have so much money, influence, partners, sub companies and things that it's just like... Mm-hmm. They are not innovating, but they have power to just like distribute like anything that they want to have rolled out. It can happen immediately anywhere all the time. Yeah. The thing that the small companies have is they don't have that bandwidth or distribution. Like they have nowhere near that capability, but they're just so nimble that they can, they can make Mm -hmm. moves to like get on something that is going to take Disney five, 10 years to roll out. They can get done in two or three because they can make that decision. Yeah. Have people that will input and, and do that. So it's like a, it's two different sides of like a two different strategies, I guess. But honestly, yeah. me and you we're down in small business world, so we're just mm-hmm. playing off our agile, you know. Right, right. That's cool. So, like, what's what's your? Uh, I know that you're just forming this mm-hmm. idea and this uh, this strategy. Like, first of all, I want to just say, absolutely love just your like mission statement esque mm-hmm. piece. Anyway, of like trying to make arts and creatives accessible to people. I think. That like that's 100 what I'm trying to do. We're just in different spaces, and I right. think that that's like the most important thing that is possible. Is is some of these arts like even when you were mentioning back the classical music, mm-hmm. some of these arts feel like they're they're not touchable by people. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is for everyone. Art is for everyone to have and everyone to experience and and uh, be a part of. So I commend you for trying to Thank think you. forward on a way to do that. For this, I guess like what. I know that you're young into this idea on it, but like, what's, what's your take on like what you could do for this space? Have you started thinking about like what you're going to attack to try to do something like this? Yeah. So I've had a few, I've had a few ideas that I've then, so it started out. So I sort of came up with this whole thing, my junior year of college. And so in the beginning, I was just going to start a comic book store. It was going to do, it was going to market things in a way that, that kind of, address these problems. Then I pivot. I know like COVID happened, you know, all the stores were closing. So then I decided maybe an online comic book store, but then I decided that's just one store. Why not, why not do it across many stores? So I decided like, if I did like a retail consulting business for comic books, I still would like to do that idea. Mm. But what, but a lot of the feedback that I had from it wasn't the best. Like a lot of the plan that I developed, to sort of like structure the store differently, uh, put things in different places. The, the feedback I got from comic book store owners who I talked to were like, they, like they, they've been doing their thing a long time. Like they don't want to mess with, mess with the way the books are on the shelves. Like they, they curate it. They, they, they know what they're doing. I just, I, I just, I made a decision that like there wasn't enough market for that type of business. So now I'm working with a couple ideas. I may go back to the, online comic book store. I may have a a marketing firm that's more geared towards like comic book creators. And then and then I can build up to maybe working for Marvel and DC 
on that. So just like eventually being able to consult with them and, and help them out with marketing. There are a couple other ideas. Yeah, there was one that was like a direct to consumer where it was like they filled out a Google form with a bunch of their interests. And then, and then I would go buy the comics and then like add a fee on top of it and then del- deliver it to them or have them pick it up. Mm. Um, so, so those are a couple of, uh, those are a couple of things that I'm like kind of grappling with right now. Yeah. So trying to, th- I'm thinking through these ideas. I'm trying to figure out like, there's a couple of specific needs for me. So like, I want something I don't have to work 80 hours a week on. Like I want to have a, somewhat of a regular life where I can a life for yourself. Hang out. <laughs> yeah. And so just working through stuff like that, seeing which of those business ideas are good for that, which one I'm, which ones I, I have the skills to do. So so really just just trying to figure out which one is is right for for what I'm trying to do and for me. But I think one important thing with that is like my business professor always said, like purpose over product where your values and your goals come before you still have to make money, you still have to make a profit, but where, where your purpose comes before your product. I'm switching the product a lot. I switch it many times, but my purpose has not changed. Right. Um, your purpose so, is to make it so that comic yeah. books are more accessible to more people right. because you like them, you see the value in them, and you don't yes. see why the market share is that small because you feel yeah. like it should be bigger and it might just mm-hmm. not be because it feels like, like I like closed door or something like that. So, but, but you're changing, like, how am I going to do this? How, what way yeah. is going to be the best way to implement this? That totally yeah. makes sense to me. And that's such good advice from your professor. That's an awesome. Yeah. Advice. So, so like my advice to people who are thinking about starting businesses, start with your purpose, start with a goal you're trying to solve through business and yeah look at business as a tool to solve a problem. Mm. And then, and then once you have that, it won't be that much of a big deal to come up with what you want to sell because you already have, you already know what, what, what you're trying to do. And so the, the product will come, but you need to focus, but first you need to focus on your values, focus on a problem you're trying to solve. I think that's spot on. That's such, that's so good. Yeah. And I mean, I think even like, I don't know, I'm I'm not like a very bashful person. So like, I'll put myself out there. But even me, it's mm-hmm. like, a comic book store feels like kind of, even when I, if I were to go into a comic book store, I feel like a little bit threatened because like everyone there just like knows mm-hmm. their jam. Like they just know what's up. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like a little even threatening from the outside to approach mm-hmm. it for mm-hmm. someone that would want to check it out because it feels like very like uh like i don't know how to say it but like very like people are to themselves with it or something you know yeah from the outside from the outside mm-hmm. only maybe it's just an dis- interpretation so anything that makes that accessible is awesome yeah with uh that was really interesting what you said about like getting feedback from the store owners with this idea that you had before you then got out of school when you're like checking this out and taste testing, like what did you mm-hmm. do to kind of see if it was a viable business for you or like what, what things were you doing to actually hit up these places? Were you going into different stores and asking them about stuff? So I wasn't directly going into the stores, but I was, I was emailing with them. So I would, I would have like a, a message and I would send that out to like 
tons and tons of stores and just see what came back. And only a few of them came back. But the ones that I did get back seemed to be pretty consistent um, with like, they don't want you to touch what they've, what they've curated. They, they, they don't want to mess with the, the formula they have. Yeah. Really. You need like, I think before you actually launch your business, like you need to have a case study, you need to have a, you need to get a lot of feedback and you need to, have a testimonial so that like even from even when when you're launching your product like people need to know that you know what you're doing and that your your product or service is good and so basically what i was trying to do with the comic books was work for someone for free have them get a testimonial and then from there i could have not an argument but a portfolio yeah portfolio and yeah. A way to say, hey, this is a viable product. People like what I'm doing. Yes, that's like my number one thing. Like I actually just talked to, I don't know if you're listening, Brandon, but I just talked to Brandon. It's like my assistant in audio mm-hmm. about doing free work. But like, that's how I started doing audio. Like I, I recorded, mm-hmm. there's a whole summer. The studio that I was, uh, I was interning with offered me the ability to freelance out of there. And they're like, listen, we're going to spot you for the summer. Just record as many bands as possible and just do it for free and make great shit and i recorded mm-hmm. people for free showed people the things that i was doing then people wanted to pay and that's how you start a creative business like so frequently and like yeah uh, just like i i love uh a lot of people don't think to do that justin i don't know if that was mm-hmm. part of the course or your own creation past that but like a lot of people don't validate like that to try to come up with ideas and i love how you were like on it enough where you're like okay so this not only did I hit up a ton of stores and got this feedback, mm-hmm. but now I'm going to, I'm going to bounce this idea and adapt and change what I'm up to. Cause like, this isn't right. A lot of people don't yeah. do that. They just send it and see what happens. And like, we look at the statistics of like startups of like the typical yeah. like, one year, two year, three year. And it's like, those all, all those factors play into it where you're like, you can't, mm-hmm. there's, there's chance to it. There's risk and anything like this, but also mitigating that risk the best that you can that's a great way that you did to like test the market yeah yeah. what people are saying what are they gonna say to you you know yeah and and another thing another thing that's good about that strategy is like i've heard some people say like they don't know if they want to be an entrepreneur because they don't know if they or or they 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 want to be an entrepreneur but they don't know if they they want to go with x business idea uh because they don't know if they enjoyed it like it's a good way to um, it's a good way to field test, like, like, am I right for this? Like you were saying with the, with the audio stuff, like, I'm sure for you, you tried it and you were like, like, it was your thing. Like you liked it. Yeah. And for some people, like they might've tried that and they didn't like it. Okay. Now I have to rework, do something else, pivot. Right. It like stops. Like, it's like before they bought like a retail space, they bought like mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. huge investment or something that it took a loan out. They like actually already know, like, we, do I like this day to day? Like, is that really going to mm-hmm. be it? Instead of like buying yeah. a job that they hate, you know, like doesn't make mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was smart of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I wish the best of luck to you. This idea you'll have to keep Thank me you. in, uh, you'll have to keep me in the loop. Oh, and well, yeah. What you're up to with it. Okay. So. Are you planning on doing that? Like, I know you said some of it might be virtual. Are you planning on doing anything physical out of Portland or it might be virtual entirely or like space to space? So I think in the beginning, I'm just going to end up starting it from home. Like it will be like, I think probably most of the clients that I would work with in the beginning uh, or customers, depending on what I go with, would be mostly local to Portland uh, unless there was like 
shipping is a thing, but uh, but as far as like having an office space, I think unless it's um, unless it's something where I absolutely need to have a retail space, I think in the beginning I'm just gonna be doing it like out of my living room, uh, right. like from Why from not? right here. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 huge money saver, and then and then like down the line, like once I have a ton of money, start making a profit. Then, then I can get like a retail, like I can buy an office space. Jeff Bezos started out of a garage. Yeah, right. and like, like to to bring music into it, like, like Billie Eilish, like recorded, like Bad Guy and the I forget the name of that album, but their house, that, that yeah, that that album, yeah, like you said, out of their out of their house. So it's like, it's like, like people don't often think of it, but like you can do a lot just from home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been like, I'm building a place here now. That's why I'm up here. But uh, I've been working out of other people's places for Mm -hmm. 15 years. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. one thing that we talked about before that, like before the show started, we were like just Mm -hmm. chatting to like prep up here. Totally want to pick your brain about this because this is something that we haven't spoken on the show ever about but it's hot right now and definitely it's something that is going to be a huge impact on creatives Mm -hmm. musicians artists for like the next for foreseeable future yeah do you want to break in like what like you took a course on nfts yeah specifically uh for those out there who aren't doing any of the crypto things or the blockchain that's non-fungible tokens do you want to like do a little briefing on what NFTs are and like what you're seeing? Cause you just got out of school. You just took this course. You were in the front lines of like when yeah. changes were getting hot. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take people through like, what are you seeing with NFTs? What do you see with NFTs for creatives and uh, entrepreneurs yeah. moving right now? It's on the move fast right now. It's happening. Yeah. Right so, so firstly, just to explain what an NFT is, it's a, it's a digital token. It's got a, like a unique, code like a sort of like a QR code and what makes it different from uh something like bitcoin is that you can't actually it has value but you can't like buy buy sell like you can sell it once um but you can't buy it you can't really exchange it what it does do is it represents something of value to a company uh, or an individual that you have. So, um, so another way to like a simpler way to put it would be like, it's, it's, it's comparable to a Patreon. So Patreon, you pay a couple months, a couple bucks a month. You get, you get certain rewards from a creator or a business. And it's the same idea with an NFT where the, an individual or business is selling you the token and you're getting certain uh benefits. you're certain yeah benefits out of that but the the thing that makes an nft superior to patreon is that it's 100% customizable mm. you can you can do whatever you want with those things so so patreon usually you get like i know a lot of youtubers use it to like like you get the video early or something like that if you if you have their Patreon, you can do that with NFTs, but you can also do anything else. You can, you can ship people certain things like your product with NFTs. You can give people a discount on what you're doing. 
actually made a course for how when, when I was still going with the other business, how NFTs can be beneficial to to comic stores. You can do mm. it as as a loyalty program, like a punch card, where you buy a certain amount of the product, like you buy a dozen or whatever, you get an NFT, and then the NFT allows you to do get certain benefits, like maybe you maybe you're the first to be able to get a certain new comic book. Maybe you get a discount. Maybe you get access. Like if it's a live venue doing it, maybe you get, you're allowed to meet the band. You're allowed to get backstage. Like there are so many, like there are infinite things you can do with it. And I think that was, that's what makes them special. As far as them, like you asked about like the, the timeline of them. So when I started taking that course in January, they were pretty niche. They were sort of hard to get. They they weren't they were a little more expensive than they are now. Uh, but then you had you had them start to blow up, and I think a lot of that has to do with with what's called the hype cycle. It's a little bit like a bubble where you have something get really 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 popular for a short time, and then it like trails off and then like up and down. So, so you had celebrities using them. I think that's that's a big reason why they went viral. Yep, musicians. And yeah, yeah. Like Kings of Leon used it. I'm sure there's like that. That example was from a little while. I'm sure there's. I don't know if she definitely is or not, but I heard that T Swift is after that. She. Oh yeah. She, she wants. She obviously like has been like beating the crap out of Spotify and labels and everything. So like mm-hmm. anything that gets the middleman out of her way, I would not yeah. rise yeah. after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, it's, it's like people out there that don't understand it. First of all, I don't understand all the math behind how these things function in terms of like what operates the protocols and the mm-hmm. coding and everything for like blockchain and all these things to work. But like, think about you get like a, uh, you, you love a band or you love something and you get like a, you bought it before NFTs exist. You bought like a special mm-hmm. package. It gives you like backstage passes, gives you like a shirt, gives you like whatever. And then they're like, we're never making that again. So it's like, it's special to you, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have something that you got from them in the mail. It gives you special abilities. It gave you like special things. Like you own that thing, like that yeah. shirt, that old Slipknot shirt that I got from like their first sell, whatever. It's like when that came out, they never make it again. That's the shirt. Think about yeah. that only digital. Like you have exactly. a thing that because of the way that these protocols function, they are unable to be taken from you. They're traceable to show like how that got to you and how that exchange happened. It's marked. And that makes it so that it's able to hold value because you can see how that happened, how you exchange mm-hmm. what you needed for it and show where that holds space. And yeah. then that can be assigned from the creator of what does that do for your audience. And so... Mm-hmm. You have like, here's a great example where like, I think he really crushed it uh, mm-hmm. like on this, like lately, we'll see if it actually works out well for him or not. But like Gary V came out with an NFT, killed it. Like he has ones that most of them make it so that you have access to like the VCon for three years in a row. So you, yeah. you buy this thing, which was crazy expensive. I did not buy it, but it's like mm-hmm. you buy this and now you have access to three years of his events for like $3,000 or something like that. But you're also getting like these special access and privileges, you know, this little digital token that's available online. And who knows, it basically, you're you're kind of betting on that artist or celebrity or whatever of like, if they still do amazing, 
30 years in the future, it's like you're holding like a old sports card or something like that. It's like that right, little right. digital token holds value because that's not made again. You prove that you have it and that means a thing that you get and whatever. And they can also change later to add different things of like what that means. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. my fan club, everyone out there that's an OG and bought the Tiger token back in <laughs> 2021 when we were getting out of COVID, whatever, you know, 30 years later, that's still able to be traced and everything like that. Yeah. They could be like, you know yeah. what? Everyone who has that, I want to celebrate my OG fans. Everyone's coming out for a special cruise ship or something. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. what that does is digital assets just became a traceable and they're accessible mm-hmm. for creating for like the mainstream creative, which is stupid. It's crazy. Yeah. And they're getting, depending on where you go, like they can still be kind of pricey. They're getting better. Like there's a lot of, a lot of them that now, the bubble is still here a little bit, definitely. A little bit, yeah. So, but right. there's there's a lot of them that are commission based, so they don't charge you. They they don't charge you any money up front. They just take a percentage of of the sales that you get from the like when you sell them to people. When you sell them to people, they they, they take like a cut of that. Hmm. And so they're they're becoming easier and easier. My professor thinks that eventually they're going to be they're going to be like they're they'll be completely like a free option. Like free op- so like a lot of those are are like invite only, but eventually the, like there maybe will be like a free option where like like you don't have to be like approved like all of them you you apply to, but they're like they're very selective about who they pick because they want ones that are going to make money for them right so I think to have an nft you have to be a little bit established like you have to have a core some kind of core fan base. I wouldn't do one for, for my original music. Like I put out maybe one song every two years and it's like, I'm, I don't, it's, it's not something I make my living from. You're not and playing Enway stadiums right now. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Um, so, yeah. so the way to, the way to tell a one way you can measure that is post on your social media. Like, Hey, I'm, I have a discord, like here's the invite link. And then like, see how many people join that discord. Smart. So, yeah. So if it's like, so it's, it's where they have to do something to, to get like, they've, they're like committed to you as a creator to the point that they're, they're going to join this discord. And then once you get in the discord, once you have that set up, if you get an NFT, you can, you can give, you can give tokens to those hyper fans of yours. You That's can awesome. give them or, or sell them at a discount. Um, you know, whatever you decide to do. But as long as you have like some sort of following, like you can you can definitely gain value from them, and and they're a great way to have extra income if you're a creator that that's not like dependent on your sales or if you're a musician, it doesn't it's not dependent on your record label paying you out. It, like like you said about the middleman, I think that was a great point. Uh, it's a way for you to make money that's directly between you and your fans. Yes, I I like. God, I wish I remembered what I was listening to that was talking about NFTs specifically with how it could function Mm -hmm. in the music industry where like, basically, like, think of uh, cryptocurrency, like, there's a lot of trash currencies that like, don't actually have a backing that mean that they can have longevity. But there's a lot of currencies Mm -hmm. that have a way that they're going to function, where it's like cryptocurrencies, a lot of the ones that are here to stay the reason why they are so crazy and innovative and amazing for like what can happen in our future with their Mm -hmm. entrance is because it's a way to have digital currency that actually has a way to show traceable value 
mm-hmm. what that means is like if you run things off of the blockchain where it has that traceable value, yeah. then you kick out record labels and you kick out credit card mm-hmm. companies and you kick out all of this bullshit that makes it so that people aren't making as much money off of their creative or their business or the thing that they could because they have middlemen jumping in there. This is what the internet does to everything. The internet squeezes out the middle. So it's just one-to-one mm-hmm. connections like we're doing right yeah. now. We met each other online through a social, which I know, I mean, that technically mm-hmm. is middleman Facebook, but it's like we met each other. We're talking freely right now with total mm-hmm. freedom of speech and we're sharing that freedom of speech mm-hmm. direct. Podcasts and YouTube and all these things, this is the new news created by the internet that's direct to the people of exactly what yeah. we're experiencing day to day. This is the new news cutting out the middleman cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFT, that's cutting out the middleman for these other things. In the future, there's there's uh, thought of like, what if we run music through a blockchain somehow so that that way you don't have yeah. Spotify deciding that artists get X amount because I choose this algorithm because I have shareholders that do this. It's like, well, what if it's all run off an NFT blockchain? So it straight up has to do with how many plays you have from the music that you put on there straight up you get paid this percentage because this is all running mm-hmm. through this blockchain there there can be some amazing stuff that happens in fairness yeah. in the way that people get paid in all creative and for people to make more doing arts mm-hmm. in the future from this i think yeah i think i think if there's a way to cuz spotify i think they're like i i'm a subscriber to spotify so i can't really say that i'm like taking a stand against them just cuz i i rely you, on it for so much you but, don't you don't have yeah. to man um, but we just have to consume music. That's the way right. to consume it. And so what Spotify does is they take your five or ten dollars a month and they put it towards the, the top artists. Um I think a fair way to do that would be and and th- this has been pitched to them. They they don't want to like they're aware of it, they don't want to do it. Yeah. We're like so like if I listen to the Beatles and lots of classic rock and I don't listen to much of the, of like the billboard charts, the the top music, then like my $10 a month should be distributed to what I listen to rather than to what everyone else is listening to. That's right. Um, Yeah. So I think Spotify would be much better. And the, the, the other, the other problem with Spotify is that there's a lot of trying to find the right. So so what what happens is you have a lot of like algorithm playlists, but then you also have a lot of like human curated playlists. Right. And so what happens a lot of time with that, it's not very objective. Like it's like a lot of things get on the playlist that are like friends with the, with whoever's curating the playlist, people that they know. Just people slap who it are, in there just so it gets right. hit with streams, but it's not even the best for the playlist or the, exactly, the yeah. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the other thing that they I think they've gotten better at this over the years but for the like the main playlists like what is it like Discover Weekly stuff like that they often don't feature as much indie artists like they have mostly like established artists but I think they've 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 gotten a little better at that but still you have like a lot of more like popular artists being featured and the indie artists aren't given uh, as good of a chance in the algorithm or or by by the 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 people curating the playlists right it's like if you made it so that your dollar like say you're just listening to like my like let's just use my band or your band right like mm-hmm. you're saying you release music every two years like i release music yearly 
I don't have a ton. I don't have like, I can fill like a hundred cap room and that's like me flexing. It's like, I don't, mm-hmm. but I don't have like the craziest audience, but it's like, if someone was listening to my music and they were just like, I absolutely fucking love Broadwing, Dave's band. And I just want to listen to that. And they just listen to it. That's the only thing that they listen to for some reason. They're yeah. psycho. It's like, why wouldn't that money just go to that thing that's playing it? And it's like, if you have the people that are big artists that are backed by big labels, mm-hmm. and have huge mm-hmm. bandwidth, they're going to have that attention anyway. They'll still get their money because yeah. they will still have a ridiculous amount of people playing their music and they will get paid that. But it's just, it's probably, you know, obviously Spotify is, uh, you know, publicly traded right now. So there's a lot of yeah. uh, tape that goes into that. And then, uh, way that record labels like jump in where you know that they're right in bed with them. Um, yeah, it, totally. They, they don't want to see that happen. They love being able yeah. to control where the money moves around to control that industry that way. Yeah, they, they were slow to it, but they woke up quick after Spotify started beating the shit out of them before they went public. Yeah. You know? So there's, there's an interesting ethical debate with that. So like, if you're familiar with the term payola, mm, no. So, so what payola is, is it applies to, it's a it's a law that applies to like uh public radio like the airwaves okay. where where the stuff they play can't be um the labels can't really aren't allowed to pay the the radio stations to play their music because the idea is like it's public it's it's owned by the people so it has to be like impartial the the same rule doesn't apply I'm, I'm not saying necessarily that it should i think there's a good debate there yeah. um but the but that that same rule doesn't apply to like internet anything on the internet so like uh i'm not sure about pandora because it's it's a little bit radio but definitely like spotify apple music all that there, there's nothing like like there's no legal issue with the record label saying hey we're going to pay you now please play these songs right yeah right and it's like that's obviously a slippery slope into a total another mm-hmm. thing where it's like, right. you can't tell the internet to do things because then we're going to be telling the internet yeah, yeah. all things. You start getting to like a really yeah. sketchy conversation. But uh, yeah, all that's valid to to say. I know that we kind of spun off of NFTs like all the way, mm-hmm. all of a sudden like into like <laughs> music industry deep dive on some of mm-hmm. the uh, things behind it. But I guess all these are important to mm-hmm. the way that artists get paid to do music. Yeah. And art. And art. Yeah. Comics. Mm-hmm. And movies and everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there anything? I I think that's all I wanted to at least like say to people is just that if like like just like Justin was saying, like if you don't have an audience that's like stupid crazy in love with you with mass scale or something that's going to jump in and do this thing, like we're we're not really telling you to go do an NFT. But if you have not gotten into any of the crypto stuff that's happening right now. NFT blockchain, just at least I encourage you to go out and just get educated on it, read up a little bit and see what's happening. Cause there's just a lot happening quickly day to day right now. There are people mm-hmm. on the move with stuff right now. And I think that we're going to see trickle down stuff happen probably over the next five years of these things will come into play where like you're at Joe's pizza shop or something. It's like this, mm-hmm. this is going to trickle down where it is that accessible to us in the way that we function it'll just be really easy. We won't have to think about all this behind the scenes of how it's functioning so much because Mm -hmm. it will already be like rolled out of integration between our society of how it works. But this is here and it's something that's an opportunity for 
all of us creatives, I think, to uh, start working on or thinking about how it's going to play into small business or into our mm -hmm. creative in the future, I feel like. Yeah. So I think, I guess if we're, we're wrapping up here, just, just to give like some advice to people. Yeah. For whether it's like a business or if it's something creative, I would say like one important thing is like, you can't wait for, like you can't rely on something external to happen before you get started. Like a lot of yes. artists will say they don't want to release music until, until they get signed by a label or something like that. So it's like, even if the music you record like in your bedroom, like if I record music with this mic, it's not going to be as good as like a professional studio, but like, it's still better to start. It's still better to do something rather than do nothing. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? It's like perfection is the enemy of creation or something like that. It's just like. Might be ego. Ego is the enemy of. Uh, no, we, I think think of something else. Uh, but I know what you're talking about. I just don't know the exact. I always, I always say the best way to be in business is to be in business. And it's just mm -hmm. like. Like literally, like we had someone on the show, uh, they're in my town, Craft Curbside. It's like a little restaurant mm -hmm. place. It's really interesting, their concept. But when they started their restaurant, they had like no product. They like picked strawberries and sold strawberries like from farmer's market mm -hmm. in their shop just so that people were like, hey, we're here and this is what we're going to do because like that started the hype and it started yeah, yeah. happening. Like they sold strawberries. They went outside and picked strawberries and sold strawberries. It's like you have to start on something to get going. Mm -hmm, so that's like mm -hmm. valid. So Justin, like I have uh, like five questions I asked then, but I want to ask one more before okay. we hit those for you and then we can wrap this yeah. up. Uh, just really quickly, because we're talking about this right now. You are fresh out of Berkeley. Like I, yeah. I took my courses like a while ago. Is there anything that, that people should know about the music industry, like past what we were just talking about, but anything mm -hmm. that's hot on your head where I always love when people are fresh out of programs, like they mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. are like way ahead on some things than me, like that's, that's hot. Is there anything like specifically that's on your mind that you don't think a lot of people have been thinking about or like a recent topic that just hits you that's starting or anything in the music industry that you want to share fresh out of Berkeley? Yeah. So I think we, we touched on this, but we didn't really talk about it much where like, I want to stress like it's possible and it's getting easier and easier to, to be successful without a major label. Mm. And like a lot of these, like it's still much easier with the label. But if you think about it, a label is providing you with a bunch of, I'm not going to name all of them because that, that would, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but a label yeah. provides you with marketing. It provides you with PR distribution, yeah, PR distribution, all that. It provides you with a way to like management management. Yeah. You're, you're thinking of these faster than I'm, so like, if you think about all those things, record labels aren't magic. Like the, what they're doing is they're providing you all of those things. You can, like, you can, it's not so easy, but you can provide, either provide some of those things yourself or hire people to, to do them for you. Like once yes. you have, once you reach a certain level of success, you can hire a publicist, you can hire a marketing manager, you can hire someone to, to do your distribution. And like to varying degrees, you can do, depending on who you are, you can do some of those yourself. So like labels aren't magic. They're just giving, they're, they're just providing things to you. So I, I just think that musicians should be aware that you can, you can provide those things to yourself 
or have have someone else provide them to you uh, with without a label. Yes, I think that uh, we've talked about it on the show before, but like I can't stress it enough. After like my MBA with Berkeley partnership, like these mm-hmm. things that like we're talking about, like they are really serious. Where like many artists, when they hear record deal, they just want to go and they just yeah. want to go for it. And like you have people like Joyner Lucas or Russ or Macklemore, like all these people out there that are not on labels that are crushing it and they're making awesome mm-hmm. income. And you know what? Some of them like, like Macklemore obviously is like hit like huge stuff, but like he hasn't even really mm-hmm. been doing anything for like a while now. That's yeah. new, but like, I'm sure that his income's fine because there's like no middleman. Like once again, mm-hmm. it's like about mm-hmm. the middleman. And honestly, the labels are aware of this and they're on the run. They've switched up. They're doing different types of 360 deals and deals that are more evasive mm-hmm. into the other income streams that normally artists had entirely to themselves in the past. They're jumping in there because they're on the run right now. They know that this is a thing. So they know that. And so they're going to they're gonna offer a lot of shit deals, first of all, worse mm-hmm. than they ever mm-hmm. were. And the other thing is labels actually are offering a lot of their services that like, like you were saying, Justin, where you can hire those people. You can literally hire labels, be like, hey... I want to grab just your PR or I want to grab just your this. They're they're doing yeah. their label as a service, like almost like a SaaS. Yeah. Frequently for artists right now. And a ton of them are doing that where they're hiring one label to be their PR, one for their management, one for that. And they're still doing all of the label things for you. But there's yeah. no one. I think of it as like a GC for a construction project. Like mm-hmm. if I'm able to hire an electrician and a plumber and a framer, and like if I'm if I'm able to manage that project without mm-hmm. having a mm-hmm. GC. The GC is just doing all of those things and they're scooping up some stuff for that organization where it's mm-hmm. like, you can do those things and have people do that stuff for you. Yeah. You don't have anyone scooping something from you. You're just paying for the thing that you need done. Yeah. And that's, that's the most efficient way to do it. In most yeah. cases, not in every situation, not 100% of the time, but that I, I'm with you on that take. Yeah. And then the other thing, just to talk about like COVID in the music industry. So I'm, uh, so I noticed like, like live stream, live stream concerts are becoming a thing. Like I, I, I think, I think they are like, they're not going to go away. I think they're just going to go back to being what they were, which is just sometimes they, they do live stream concerts. Right. Like during COVID, it was a big thing because, because, because it hadn't been, well, that, and it hadn't been commoditized yet. So it was like, like, it was just like a way for, uh, for them to make money kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that people figured out how to do live stream concerts like hella good, and like we will still see them in like better production than ever before. Or like mm-hmm. maybe, uh, like say a concert ticket's like way too pricey for you to go. Maybe they'll offer as another income stream for artists doing like lower tiered virtual mm-hmm. view of that concert. I might yeah. say like like say like right now I want to go see the new. I want to go see MGK for I like his mm-hmm. new record that's punky. Those tickets in Boston are like 367 for like the mm-hmm. cheapest mm-hmm. seat. I'm like, damn, I can't afford that. But yeah. if like I saw something come out that was like twenty, thirty dollars to do like a virtual, like really good quality of it, I might pay that. Whereas like he wouldn't get any income from me right now because I'm not gonna pay yeah. for the ticket. That I could see happening, oh, yeah. but I, I'm with you where like people aren't gonna yeah. do as much as they were before. Yeah, we can go see it in person. It won't be the same. Yeah, and I think I think also a lot of places will start having like live like so they'll have an in person concert, but then they'll offer live stream as another option. 
I think that's going to become more common. Like I interned for a touring company while I was at school and like they're, they're, they're going to do that for their shows where um, like they're they're not a venue, but like they, they manage touring for artists basically. Yeah. And so, so, so they're going to do that where you have the, you have the in-person concert, but then also like whether it's, it's a still a COVID thing maybe, or if it's just a, uh, you're in their other city, you can, they're going to have like the live stream on the Facebook page and then you just tune into that. Yeah. I think it's smart. I mean, it's like, even if uh, mm. you do it for free, it's like people say a local venue, like one down the street, small mm. venue. It's like, if they always have it live stream, you are more probably apt if you're seeing that on mm. social to like go to that venue at some point, either mm. if you never were, than if you weren't showing what's happening there, you, you see it and you're like, Oh, I want to go to yeah. that. fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, man. So, uh, I want to ask you my five questions here that I like ask okay. every single person on the show and um, you don't have to think too like crazy into them, but okay. feel free to give yourself a sec too, if you want to like listen. But uh, first question is like, why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could possibly do in the planet? Why do you do yeah. that? Yeah. So, so that comes back to my like kind of mission statement. I want to make the arts more accessible um, I want to, uh, I want to bring them to new audiences. Um, like, like I love comics and music and movies and TV shows. And I want, I want to share that with everyone. And I want to use business and marketing as a tool to, to make that happen. Love that. Love that second piece too. It's just like, this is my mission. This is what I'm trying to do. And this is the ways that that can happen. Yeah. That's like, what's up. That's such a, Mm -hmm. that's such a clean way to look at it. Thanks. Uh, Along the way. So you could take the lesson that you learned from it and give it to someone like magically, but you, you were like, don't do this thing. Like what's like the biggest mistake that you made along the way where you're like, Mm -hmm. maybe you learn the lesson. You're like, Hey, this is legit. I'm glad this still happened. But you're like, if someone could learn this lesson that I had to learn the hard way, school yeah. marks. this is like a thing that I wouldn't recommend to people that you've seen a lot that you've done along the way. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about that. I would say don't put yourself in a position where you can't like it's where it's t- like, you're not going to be able to change what you do. So I was like, completely sure that I wanted to be a musician. I went to Berkeley college of music yeah, and then suddenly I didn't want to become a musician anymore. So I would say, I'm not saying don't go to Berkeley college of music, but like have a backup plan in case that doesn't work. If you, if you decide to do that. So just make sure you're always in a position where if you don't like something, you can, you can change it. Hmm. Makes sense. And it's like, I'm sure that you gain like, like some of your courses are like all of these things that you're sharing on this podcast that you've learned. Like these are, mm-hmm. these are high tiered. You're learning, you clearly yeah. learned a yeah. lot there. So it's like, I'm sure mm-hmm. that you're like, Hey, I didn't regret some of the things that I learned, but also, yeah. I get what you mean. Like you want to be able to mm-hmm. pivot to the things as you change yeah. as a person because you're like, a different I person wanted, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to do a, a regular business degree. Berkeley only offered music business. So I did that. And I tried to take as many classes as possible that were regular business, but they still have you do like, you, you know, cause you've been there. They have you do all the ear training and the, the composition and all that. Um, Music history. Yeah. Coming in. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Flip side of it. What's like the best idea you've had along the way, the best thing you've ever done. 
I think um I think this is gonna sound like I'm giving the same answer, but like it's okay. But like making that pivot, like realizing what I wanna do, realizing so basically my kind of story that I tell is I came to Berkeley wanting to be a music teacher and a and a performer. And yeah. what I found was that I am a more extroverted person. And so my personality type wasn't really compatible with being a performer because you have to practice by yourself so much and like just lots of time alone. And that just wasn't right for me. And so I had to pivot and do something else. Mm. And so self-awareness. Yeah. So self-awareness, like, like I realized that something wasn't right and I corrected it. Yeah. I mean, there's an episode on here that I had my wife on to talk about. Uh, like we, we changed up our world, man. We sold our mm-hmm. place. She moved. We were long distance, like married couple for a year mm-hmm. living. Uh, she was living in Tennessee, going to vet school. She decided that she didn't want to go to vet school. So we made like mm-hmm. a huge investment in that. We changed up our lives and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard for her to be like, actually, I don't fucking want to be in vet school. I want to own a business doing real estate stuff. That's yeah. a hard, it's, it, it is the easy way is to, you're like, no, I'm at Berkeley. I said I was going to be a music teacher. And then you go off and be a music teacher. The hard way is to say, this is, I'm a different person now. These are the things that I want to do instead of that thing. It's not easy to like tell friends and family and like these people that like, they're not trying to put pressure on you, but like, there's a pressure of like, if you say you're doing a thing and then you change the thing, mm-hmm. that's hard to do. And, but that's the right thing to do because you also mm-hmm. can't go off and like not be your whole person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not meant to do. It's like you saying, no, I'm going to do this stuff with comic books and make this accessibility. Mm. It's not going to be this music teacher. That's a really hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. I feel like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not I think, easy. yeah, I think, I think that's like, I'm not sure how colleges would address this, but I think that this may be like an inherent problem with college where you're like so focused on one thing. Yeah. That like you can't that that, that it, it makes it difficult to to switch. Yeah, there's a lot of inherent. Mm-hmm. I I went through all of a lot of college. There's a million inherent problems with college that I mm-hmm. am pretty vocal about. <laughs> it mm-hmm. made it made me happy with what I'm doing though, so I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. Say anything. Uh, what would be a resource, Justin, that you'd recommend to the audience here? It could be podcasts. YouTube channel, mm-hmm. video, book, movie, like what, what's something you, it can be a couple things too. What do you recommend yeah. people check out? Is it like some resources in any of these spaces? Yeah. So I think for business, the two books that I would recommend are the lean startup is one and uh, good to great by Jim Collins. I can't remember who wrote the first one, mm. um, but what, what the lean startup is, it's like very simply put, like how do you take the first steps to start your business? How do you form an LLC? It's like, it breaks them down very simply. And then what Good to Great by Jim Collins does is it it takes you from, like you've, you've built your business, you've built something. Now, how do you take it from good to great? Uh, there's a lot of strategies in there for like, this is what a good business is. This is what a great business is. How do you, how do you get there? And then I think yeah. for music, that's so broad. I guess I can say for for the music industry i think well that's that's broad too but if you, if you want to go into the music business if you're not in college for it 
I think I'd recommend getting some some regular business skills, learning how to do stuff like market and start a business because it's all it's all it's all the, the same. same. Like like you're you when yeah. you're a creator when you're a musician, like that is your business. Yep. Um, and then the second thing to recommend is just educate yourself on on what uh, on record labels and what the different pieces are in that. Like there are record labels, there's music publishing. I don't have a specific. You don't know uh, research. To. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause I learned all that through my college courses. So I wasn't seeking it out elsewhere, but I would just yeah. say, just, just, just do your research on that. On yeah, the, just the different moving parts. Yeah. Don't take any deal that, that gets popped at you right away. Research yeah. what's going on because there's a lot mm-hmm. that's going down. So yeah, a lot of ways to, uh, to do it too. So uh, last one, Justin, this is easiest, man, would be mm-hmm. where do people keep up with you? Where do they check out what you're up to and keep up with you? Go check out your stuff. I've got a YouTube channel. So it's YouTube slash C slash Justin Asbrook, my name. That, that's where I do a lot of fandom stuff. Like I talk about movies and TV shows and comics and I interview guests um, a little similar to this, but a little different. You have cool interviews on there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I saw some of those. And then I've got a, I've got a Facebook page, just facebook.com slash Justin Ashbrook. That's where you can keep up with my YouTube videos. And then I've got a Twitter, which is just a who WHO comics. That's for basically the same idea as Facebook. Like you can keep up with, with my opinion on, on trends and stuff and just, just my YouTube videos as well. Yeah. And then whenever I do have an announcement about the, the business I'm starting, There'll be a new page for that, and you can I'll, I'll announce it in all those other places. So, where, wherever that is, you can you can when you see that announcement, you can go follow follow the that page. I did decide on a name for my business, which is the only thing. Which is it's Flippin Comics. Um, Flippin so if comics. you look out for if you look out for a page called Flippin Comics in the next couple of months, I like it. Cool. All right. So anyone that just jumped in right now we're like halfway through or something like that first of all all of this will be a podcast out on podcast platforms waking up from work on tuesday at 6 a.m uh all of those things that justin just said if you're listening to this show or you're listening to this as a podcast at that point look in the show notes wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes or down below and i'm going to have those out nicely for you so if you're walking a dog or riding a bike or something like that you can check out what justin's at on that and a big thank you to the people that have been watching on Instagram, people who have been watching on Facebook. Thank you guys for watching this live. We're live every Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. if you want to hang doing stuff like this. And uh, thank you, Justin, for like connecting thank with me. Thank you so much for, for being on me. this. And um, I look forward to going out, seeing some music and hanging, man. All right. I'll, I will, uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. Thanks yeah. for having me. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.